You're listening to She Said What with your host, Alyssa Harper. Hello, everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the She Said What podcast with your host, Alyssa Harper. That's me. In today's episode, we have a very special guest, Moonly. She is a hormone and period nutritionist, and she is answering all of the questions that you guys have been asking me in the last few weeks, especially on TikTok, about cycle syncing. And she explains how eating in the different phases of your cycle changes your hormones and changes the symptoms that you might be dealing with, especially around your period. She explains what the menstrual cycle is, and she even talks about all the ways that this can be affected by things like PCOS, endometriosis, irregular periods, and all the different forms of birth control that we go through as well. So this episode is packed with so much information, but also is just so fun to listen to, and she's just so fun and funny, and I really enjoyed interviewing her. So you guys can really look forward to this episode. Also just wanted to say, so sorry about my voice right now. I, um, it's not, it doesn't sound like this in the episode, by the way, this is just right now. I had a horrible flu in the last like five days and, um, it just ruined my vocal cords, but, uh, that's why I sound a little bit raspy, like a little boy going through puberty. Anyways, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, oh my God, welcome. This is a space for you, okay? This is a space for you to feel empowered, for you to learn, for you to grow. We talk about mindset, we talk about mental health, we talk about sex, sexuality, relationships, like all the good stuff, all the juicy stuff. And we talk about it because a lot of people don't talk about it in this way. And I believe that this should be for everyone and the education should be there for everyone so that you can make these decisions for yourself and live a life that is whole and fulfilled. And so that's what this podcast is all about. Anyways, that's all I have to say. Let's just get right into it. Enjoy, guys. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, Everybody, you haven't met Moonly before, but this is Moonly, also known as Erin. Erin is her real name. Moonly is her stage name. So <laughs> we have her on today. Um, do you want to just start by telling us who you are, giving us a little intro? Where are you from? Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, you can call me Moonly, call me Erin, whatever works best. Um, so I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. I'm originally from the U.S., from over in Ohio, but I'm actually in Australia, so this worked out perfectly. I live in Canberra, and yeah, originally from over in the U.S., I moved to Australia about four years ago. Okay, amazing. Oh, cool. And so what got you into doing um, nutrition and thinking about hormones and all of that? Where did that come into play? <laughs> Yeah, great question. I'm going to try to like not make this too long because it could be a super long conversation. (laughs) But um, essentially, I started my period when I was 10 years old and like super young. I remember starting Mm. my period and going into my mom's bedroom and being like, hey, my butt's bleeding. And I like, I don't know what's happening. And like, as yeah, and like as a 10 year old, she was just like, oh, like, I'll check it in a little bit because she was sleeping. And then she came in and realized like, oh, you started your period like and she was trying to explain to me what a period was and like giving me that American Girl doll book if anyone knows what that is. I do know what this is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And still knew absolutely nothing about my period. But a few months into like having a period every single cycle, they started becoming excruciating to the point where like I was in the bathroom for eight hours at a time. I was Mm. on the floor and going back and forth between the bathtub and the toilet, like throwing up diarrhea, um, just like an excruciating pain. And I started having migraines before my period would come. So my mom would be picking me up from swim team and from school all the time. And anyways, 
at like 10 and a half, 11 years old, my mom finally took me to the doctor because she was like, this isn't normal. Like she should not be in this much pain. And the doctor basically just said I was super unlucky and just to put me on the pill just to shut it off. And like that would take away my pain. And obviously, because you're no longer having a menstrual cycle when you're on the pill, Mm -hmm. it obviously took away the pain. But I was still dealing with other symptoms over those years, which now that I look back, I realized still had to do a lot with my inflammation and a lot that was going on with my health. Um, And then at 23, when I came back to Australia, I decided to look into why I was actually in pain and decided to come off the the pill and start to realize the pain's still there, the heavy bleeding, the blood clots is all still there, and that's my body talking to me, and I just need to address it. So that's what I did. (laughs) Wow. So it came from obviously like a personal place, and you were just like, I need to figure this out, because like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, like I was just so fed up, and then I ended up advocating for myself. Like after coming off the pill, I just spent all of my time researching, going through research papers, through all the books, and essentially every single book I went through, I kept coming across the word endometriosis. And that's when I started to... um, do the research, went home, advocated for myself, got my diagnosis. And basically the doctor told me I would need surgery every two years. And I was pretty likely to deal with infertility. And I was just like, I'm not going to take it. So that kind of led me down the nutrition route. And then after sharing my journey a lot on social media through my Moonly account, that's when I decided to go get my diploma in nutrition to be able to help other people that are going through similar things. (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. So you, obviously you went and you did your, um, degree in nutrition and everything. What did that look like for you? Do when you did that, um, did you get education as well where it also kind of looked into hormones and stuff too, or did you find it wasn't talked about much? It did talk about quite a lot with hormones. I would say when it came to period menstrual cycle hormone information, that was a lot of my own research just because I had that information going in. Like I spent three, four years going through all the research papers to understand what was going on and sitting down and talking with all these functional medical doctors and herbalists to also figure out what era I wanted to go down. But my diploma, I would say, focused on more of the root cause to hormone issues because what we'll learn is that hormones are actually a symptom of something else going on. And it's just another way of our body screaming at us like, Hey, I need your attention. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So you kind of made that connection and made it make sense for you. And because you saw it in your body and then obviously you want to help other people when you see that horrible thing happening for you, you're like, surely there's other people, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or like, even when it comes to like PMS, so many of us growing up, we're like in school, you know, crying randomly or going off on random people. And we're told that's normal, but it's actually like not normal at all. There's actually so many solutions to it. Right. And and that's the whole thing of people saying like, well, you're just being hormonal. And it's like, yeah, maybe I am, but like no one should be vilified Mm. for that. You know, it should be, well, I don't have the education to know why I'm being hormonal. So (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Well, we barely know what like the difference between our vulva and vagina. So how could we know the difference between what's normal and what's not? (laughs) Oh yeah. And like, I think people get scared when it comes to understanding hormones and wanting to learn about it because Mm. it does seem like a little bit like it's like this thing that it's not like your arm. Do you know what I mean? This sounds dumb, but it's not, it's not yeah. like your arm where it's like you can see it and you can yeah. feel it and you can picture maybe the bones in it because you can touch it. It's like this thing that's like this really intricate internal system and there's all these fancy words yeah. for all these things and it can just seem a bit overwhelming. Did you find that yeah. when you started getting into it? 
Yeah, for sure. Like when I first started on my healing journey, obviously I read like all the books, all the research papers Mm. and obviously buying all of the supplements. (laughs) What I later realized is that when we're, like you said, when we're looking at hormones, like we just think, okay, if I take this one supplement, I'm good. Like my hormones are going to be balanced, but it's so much more than that. There's Mm. a foundational root cause to why that low progesterone or high estrogen is happening. And it doesn't have to be as confusing as most doctors make it out to be. They basically like throw in all these big words and then you're just like I don't know what any of that so like yeah. we're back to square one but it can be made easier <laughs> okay well I say we just get right into asking questions because I've had I have hella questions for you and I I, had, I, got, I got a lot of questions even for me personally definitely ask these questions but I got a lot of questions from people over on TikTok and you guys were asking on Instagram and stuff as well so I just know that um it's just you guys this is what you're here for so let's go right into the first kind of obvious question of eating for the different cycles and I want to kind of get right into that do you want to first give a little rundown of what we're even talking about when we're talking about our menstrual cycle and we'll talk about the different phases do you want to yeah, do that for sure yeah? Okay. yeah we can do that I love talking about this I just <laughs> okay. hope I hope I can explain it well without a visual so if anything yeah. ever makes sense just let me know so essentially when we're talking about the menstrual cycle you probably know what your period is but your period is more than just a period there are a series of events that lead up to that period every single month and essentially when we look at the menstrual cycle that leads to your period we're looking at four different phases so the first phase is the follicular phase, which for some people that includes menstruation and follicular phase, we're just <laughs> going to say it's the follicular phase. <laughs> and then we lead, that leads us into the ovulatory phase, which is what most people know about is the myth of everyone ovulates on day 14. That's a myth, but I will say the ovulatory phase is definitely a thing. And then that leads us into our luteal phase and our luteal phase leads into our period, which we also refer to as our menstrual phase. And Every single menstrual cycle is different depending on the person, depending on month to month. So a healthy menstrual cycle can be anywhere from 24 days to 36 days. Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking of this, I'm not saying your period is anywhere from 24 to 36 days long, but your whole menstrual cycle, these are the events that are leading up to your period. So if we go, if we go back to the follicular phase, this is actually the very first part of your menstrual cycle. The period is, sorry, I need to go back. (laughs) Yeah, your period is the very first start of your new menstrual cycle. So a lot of times when we're taking hormonal birth control, we assume the period is the end of it. It's actually the period is what starts us out on a new menstrual cycle. And essentially what is happening is we have something in our brain called a pituitary gland. And the pituitary gland, I basically like to think of it as the home to getting other organs functioning like our liver and gallbladder, our adrenal glands, which it sounds like you've talked about that with the cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also starts out our menstrual cycle. And when our pituitary gland starts out, it produces a hormone called FSH. And this hormone FSH is going to tell both of your ovaries to start maturing eggs. And you can actually mature anywhere from five to 20 eggs per menstrual cycle. And as your body starts to mature those eggs, they are growing in something called follicles. Those follicles actually produce the hormones estrogen and testosterone. And that's actually going to help build your uterine lining. So essentially, the inside of your uterus, there's a lining in there. And during this phase, it is in there trying to build a nice thick uterine lining just in case you decide you want to make a little human later in the cycle. 
Um, and as this is going on, you eventually lead into the ovulatory phase. And this is where one of those eggs that was developing gets to its peak levels. Your body's like, cool, there's enough estrogen. This egg is healthy. I'm ready to release it if you decide you want to create a small human this month. And so when estrogen reaches its peak, it'll cause a hormone called LH from the brain to cause that egg to burst out and go into the most nearby fallopian tube. And the egg only lives for 12 to 24 hours. And like I said, the egg, not everyone ovulates on day 14 and it's not cycle to cycle. You can ovulate anywhere from nine to 27 days um, from the first day of your period. So it's Mm. a quite wide array. And after you ovulate, if there's no sperm there, essentially that egg will dissolve and go away. And that follicle where the egg was growing, the one that was ruptured, it'll collapse in on itself almost looking like a donut and that's actually what causes us to produce the hormone progesterone which takes us into the luteal phase the best way to look at the luteal phase is you know that time right before your period when you're like super pissed off at everything super emotional full of acne (laughs) like this is that time but yeah exactly Funny enough, this is actually a hormone that's supposed to make us feel calm. It's actually supposed to make us feel super relaxed if we have sufficient levels of it. Um, And progesterone basically sits there and how it works on the uterus, it actually is there to maintain that uterine lining. So say that you decided you wanted to create a small human, sperm would have fertilized that egg and it would have made its way to the uterus and have a dense, healthy uterine lining to grow in for nine months. But obviously, if you decided not to do that, at the end of your luteal phase, you will start your period and that starts you out on a new menstrual cycle. Your period is there to shed that uterine lining and basically almost act as a report card to tell you how your hormones were that entire menstrual cycle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I only learned that recently (laughs) that like, if you can start to understand what healthy period blood should look like, it is like a monthly, it's an opportunity for you to have like a monthly check-in with your body. And it's like, you are able to see, you know, if there, if it's like, this is, it's going to get a bit TMI real fast, but if it's like a bit chunky or if it's a bit like, like really too pink or really too dark or whatever, or if you're getting like Mm. dark, um, like brown blood at the start or end, um, of your, your period, that means different things as well and it can mean like we can learn really really like clear obvious things about our bodies just by seeing what our period blood looks like which I didn't even know I thought that was so cool (laughs) yeah it's a really cool opportunity because like when I first started out like my periods were super heavy always brown at the beginning and just like full of blood clots which obviously so many of us think is normal because so many of us have periods like that but you can actually work to get rid of that it's literally a report card your body's literally telling you hey this is what your period looks like this is where you were at this past cycle which is so fascinating yeah okay and do you want to start talking about how food then affects that like is it the food that Mm. we eat during the cycle that can change it or can affect it yeah so now Mm. that I've gone through my nutrition course I do look at this a bit differently than I used to (laughs) so essentially food absolutely plays a major factor to how your menstrual cycle reacts because I think when we're looking at food we have a different relationship with food than we used to now food we have to remember that it's where we get vitamins and minerals. It's where we get our energy. All of these things are crucial to how our body and our entire system works. When we go back to when I was talking about how the menstrual cycle starts, so it starts with that pituitary gland in our brain. That pituitary gland is part of 
a, ver- a variety of different cycles that go on within the body. It's one part of the blood sugar balance, which is going to also impact your liver and gallbladder. It's going to affect your adrenals. It's going to affect your hypothalamus. And for all of these things to work, there are crucial vitamins and minerals for to make the, this initiative to start producing the right hormones to start the menstrual cycle. For example, things like zinc and B complexes are crucial for the liver and gallbladder. So if the liver and gallbladder isn't working properly, that feedback loop that's going to go to the pituitary gland isn't going to connect. And if that feedback loop isn't happening that's going to affect the way that your pituitary gland is going to start your menstrual cycle so nutrition plays a massive role in how the menstrual cycle starts and how it ends when i first learned about cycle syncing I do have a bit of a different opinion than I used to because what I've learned is how we were talking about how progesterone is made from that corpus. Well, I didn't call it this at the time, but that follicle that collapsed in on itself after releasing that egg, that's actually called a corpus luteum. When that corpus luteum is created, it is relying upon good estrogen from the follicular phase to get to that point. If there was not good estrogen, you can't expect good progesterone because progesterone needs a healthy quality corpus luteum. So it's really about backtracking. So if you, if we see progesterone issues, that takes us back to, okay, well, what happened with the corpus luteum? What happened with estrogen? And well, Mm. we know estrogen only started out because of the pituitary gland. So that's when you have to look at those different cycles of liver, gallbladder, adrenals, and all of those require an insane amount of nutrients and energy that we get from our food. Okay. So does that mean in theory, okay, in mm. theory, if you, <laughs> yeah. does how your period happen, is that potentially affected by how you've helped, like handled your body in the last few weeks before your period? Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. I love all right. that. <laughs> all right. That's exactly it. It literally tells you about your past cycle. It'll tell you, because that's the thing, like, I chart my cycle now, and I can write in there, like, okay, these are all the things that happened this month. I can expect a really shit period. Or, like, things Mm -hmm. were really good this cycle. I can expect a really good period. It is literally, like you just said, a feedback, and you can look back on the past few weeks, and it can basically give you a prediction of what it's going to look like. Yeah, it's interesting, because I was was saying this to someone the other day, like, my two periods ago, my period was amazing. I was so healthy, like, the whole month I was, like, going to my workout classes, I was, like, doing everything. I even, like, was eating certain foods, I was, like, following a chart where I was trying to eat certain foods for the different phases, and um, Mm. I have, like, a Ukrainian background, and my grandmother used to always make this um, borscht, and it's, like, a beet, like, soup. And so it's like beets and like there's dill in it. And it's like all these things that are meant to be really good for, I guess, supporting your hormones at that phase. I don't know. That's what the chart said. So I was like, sure. And so I decided to make this like soup or whatever. And this period I had was like perfect, like perfect. It wasn't long. I had no cramps, like none. I wasn't like irritable. I was like amazing. And then the last one that I had (laughs) was not it. Like it was like bad. Like I had like cramps and like also my lower back was hurting and I was just like pissed off. And it's cause like, and I thought it was really interesting because I actually at that, that time when I was bleeding, I was like in theory, I was fine. I was taking care of myself, but like a week before I was like super stressed. And then like, I wasn't really taking care of myself throughout the month. So I, it kind of, that's when it really clicked for me. Cause you learn, like I learned Mm. this stuff, like I've learned this, but you don't really almost like believe it until it happens to you or like you don't make that connection (laughs) until it happens to you. And I was like, Oh, like this is why I need to care about my body all month long. Like not just on my period, you know, like you can't say, you can't save it last minute. You know, you can't just like jump in there and be like, Oh, (laughs) you can't. 
let me hurry up and eat some stuff. No, exactly. And like when you were stressed out, your cortisol levels were probably higher, which there is that feedback loop. It's going to talk to your pituitary gland and let it know like, hey, it's a pretty stressful month. <laughs> like, okay. This is what we're expecting. So All cool right. that you connected that. I love that. Yeah, it was it was a bit hard because it was a shit period. But at the same time, yeah. I was happy to uh, be like, okay, this is like, it means something to me now, you know? Mm. Um, I yeah. wanted to ask you when it comes to, obviously when it comes to food, there's so many things that we could talk about, but when it comes to trying mm. to think of what foods to eat in the different phases, is there like a cheat sheet or like a certain mm. thing that we can do to kind of start to understand what that looks like? Or is it like, is it, is it really hard to understand it at first? Do you think to get into I it? I think at first... I think at first, depending on what your eating habits are like, it can be quite difficult. But once you realize that eating for your cycle is literally eating for your overall health, it starts to become a lot easier. Um, And I I talk about this in my course. And when it comes to supporting the pituitary glands to support your hormones, there are some big players that I incorporate with all of the women and uterus owners that I work with and that I incorporate into my everyday life. Um, But one of the biggest things that I see everyone missing, which I did for a long time, is quality protein. When it comes to we need quality protein to help get energy what they actually recommend is 90 grams of protein per day which actually is a lot more than I would have originally (laughs) thought it's it's about three hamburger patties like I don't know I feel like nowadays that's a lot of protein and the thing with the protein is it has essential amino acids that can help our liver and gallbladder and like I said before that liver and gallbladder gives a feedback to our pituitary gland it helps balance our blood sugar and for people out there dealing with irregular periods or PCOS blood sugar and insulin at least is a massive contributing factor to what influences people with PCOS symptoms. So really focusing on protein to give your body the energy that it needs to give that good feedback loop to your pituitary gland, but also to balance out that blood sugar. When you're eating fat, carb, and protein, they all need to work together to utilize their energy and vitamins and minerals properly in the body. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask um, with the, when it comes to like the fat um, protein and carb breakdown, is there like a mm. breakdown that you recommend or that you've kind of learned it works the best? Yeah, I, what I typically recommend, I try to get people not to focus too much on numbers. Cause I feel like numbers just stresses everyone out. <laughs> like yeah. don't focus on the, yeah, don't focus too much on the numbers. But when you're looking at your plate, when it comes to carbs, all fruits and vegetables your body prioritizes as carbs there are things like soy which your body can prioritize that as a protein luckily especially for people who are vegan Um, but mainly when you're looking at your plate try to aim for at least having some type of protein whether that's chicken turkey tofu beef whatever that looks like and then Mm -hmm. make sure you're getting your dark greens in there Um, I haven't mentioned this but one of the if you deal with PMS, painful periods, anything like that, one thing you'll want to start including is cruciferous vegetables. So these are things like broccoli, um, bok choy, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. They don't always taste the best. No, but... (laughs) Are you kidding me? I love Brussels sprouts. Oh my God. I love it. You cut them in half? Yes. Oh my God. And my husband used to hate them. He used to hate them. He'd always say like, there's no way I'm eating them. I'm telling you, I cut them in half. I put like olive oil and I put like a bunch of spices on it in the oven. Ooh, they're so good. (laughs) So good. They're so good. I'm telling you. That is hilarious. (laughs) I'm glad you like them. So everyone cook it like that because apparently it's good that way. (laughs) That's how you do it. Yeah, if you can stop... 
Yeah, if you can start to incorporate more of those type of foods in your diet, essentially when we eat them, our body breaks them down and uses them for something called DIM. And DIM is what is also going to support your liver and gallbladder. I keep talking about the liver and gallbladder a lot. So when it comes to the liver and gallbladder, essentially this is where we detox those excess estrogen. So how I was saying earlier, we rely on a pituitary gland to start out our menstrual cycle, but there is also excess estrogen that needs to be detoxed throughout our liver and gallbladder that can affect our menstrual cycle. Okay. So essentially these are things like endocrine disruptors from the products that we use and stuff like that. But I highly recommend including more cruciferous vegetables and just including more whole foods. Really just eat what you enjoy. But one of the biggest things I can say is more greens, more berries, and more protein as much as you can. Okay. All right. And then when it comes to the specific phases, do you like, can you give us like some examples of maybe like ones in each phase? Yeah, for sure. So like when we start out in the menstrual phase, one of my favorite foods are bone broth because it's super nutrient dense. Mm. Beetroot. It sounds like you were eating heaps of beetroot. I would actually (laughs) recommend beetroot all the time. Um, Beetroot's high in iron, but it also supports the liver and gallbladder tremendously. And also like just any red meat if you eat red meat. When you're in that follicular phase where your estrogen is building, your testosterone is building, I would also focus on proteins and those cruciferous vegetables because that's going to help deal with those high estrogen levels if you already have it. Most of us either have high or low. Either way, Mm -hmm. cruciferous vegetables are going to help you tremendously. For people dealing with PCOS, it can be 50-50. It can be either they have high or low estrogen. I would still focus on plenty of protein and those cruciferous vegetables. Um, I'm trying to think in fats. So fats are going to be your best friend during this time. So Mm -hmm. fats actually are one of the major factors that play into hormone health. And when you are eating plenty of good fats, so these are omega-3s from like fish, omega-6, omega-9, so like olive oil, nuts and seeds. When you give your body a diverse array, you're actually able to absorb crucial vitamins such as vitamin A, D, E, and K. And these play directly into your estrogen and testosterone production. And that's also going to help build up that good corpus luteum for when you get into your um, luteal phase. And then during ovulation, I personally love protein. I feel like that's the main place that I go. But I feel like this is also the time where people start to crave a lot of sugar when you get to like ovulation, luteal phase, like right before your period. Yeah. Yeah. One of my biggest tips is if you start to notice that you're craving sugar, try to lean towards more of those natural sugars, such as maple syrup or honey. Those are less likely to spike your um, insulin as much as the refined sugars. I'm not saying never have refined sugar because Mm -hmm. I do. And I do, I don't recommend like bad food, good food, but they have found that refined sugar can cause inflammation to the gut lining, which can affect your hormones. So trying to lead towards more of that maple syrup or honey when you're in that ovulatory and luteal phase. And then when you're in that luteal phase, leaning towards berries, that's going to help with antioxidants. So strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, still focusing on protein and getting things like kale and spinach are going to help as well. Okay. Um, yeah, because I actually did have someone ask about um, sugar cravings, but she said that she feels like she craves sugar um, almost like in all the different phases and it can be random, but it's quite often. Is that an indicator yeah. to anything that could be bad or anything going on with her body? 
Yeah, so craving sugar is typically a sign of blood sugar imbalance. So if you're also noticing mm. that you um, aren't hungry in the morning or you have that like afternoon yawn between like 12 and 4 p.m. where you know so you're getting really tired, that can be another sign that your blood sugar is imbalanced. Or if you're waking up at night between 1 and 4 a.m., that means that your cortisol levels are taking off a lot earlier and your blood sugar is becoming imbalanced. So it's bringing you out of your sleep. So those are some oh. things you can look out for. <laughs> and is that something that like you can balance back within 24 hours or is it something that it takes a long time to like get it back to being balanced? I would say it would take, you can start to balance it out, but if you're looking for those symptoms to go away, like permanently, it would take a little bit of work. I have seen people do it in 30 days. I'll give you the Mm. basic advice. The key to balancing blood sugar is more protein because to balance blood sugar, you're essentially looking at carbs and sugar. Remember all fruits, vegetables, crackers, bread, all of those things break down as carbs in the body. But when you can incorporate fat and protein, they can balance out that blood sugar and really start to utilize in the body properly. Okay. Okay. And so when it comes to eating, I love that. I'm learning so much. So when it comes to um, eating different things in the different phases, do those foods directly do things for us in those phases? Or is it more just about getting like a healthy period by the end of the cycle? Yeah. So these are definitely going to help with your hormone levels. And obviously your period is your report card. So when you're eating Mm -hmm. for the specific phases, I would personally focus on the follicular phase because that's basically where everything's going to start that's where you're dealing with your estrogen your testosterone because basically your progesterone is waiting on you to build some good estrogen so it can create itself so i would personally when it comes to cycle syncing still focus on eating those good foods and dealing with those cravings and having plenty of protein to make sure your liver and gallbladder are detoxing and getting out and sweating and peeing and pooping to make sure those phase three detox pathways are happening Mm -hmm. but when you're in the follicular phase, that's where I really want you to focus on making sure you're getting quality iron, zinc, and B complexes. Um, The other thing is when it comes to estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone, it's not just about your period. These hormones are actually crucial for your overall health, such as estrogen and testosterone are going to help with building muscle. They help with our body's ability to blood clot. It helps with our heart and brain health. Our progesterone is crucial to our mental health and our bone health. Um, For Mm. example, they find that a lot of people that go in the depot shop because of the lack of progesterone that happens in the body they actually have higher chances of developing osteoporosis because progesterone is a key hormone in making sure that we have strong healthy hormones so when you're looking at your hormones don't just look at it as my period but it's also not just as a fertility not just as a means of making a baby but also as a means of your health as well okay how can we start to implement it then if it I know it's a lot kind of at first when you start to kind of look at looking at little things and I know you have an amazing course that takes people through it kind of like Mm. fully um but when we start to just it can we start by implementing maybe just in one phase or maybe one food for phase like what do you kind of recommend there yeah I'm gonna say if you're gonna start anywhere like I feel like a broken record start with protein because I feel like this is the one that most people are missing start out with just eating you know two servings of protein a day and trying to incorporate more of those dark leafy greens into your diet 
and a lot of berries because berries have antioxidants which are going to support your body tremendously and those are kind of the things that I would start using every single day so whether you know you have berries with some granola and yogurt yogurt you're getting the fat you have the granola which is going to help with the carb and the berries which is also going to give you the antioxidants yeah so whatever that looks like that is kind of where I would start when it comes to slowly getting used to having to change your diet because that can also be triggering for some people as well like having these massive changes in their life yeah okay yeah um I wanted to ask then going from here I know you've kind of mentioned making sure we're eating kind of whole foods when it comes to the quality of our food like when it comes to organic versus non-organic um what is important for us to be trying to opt in for organic Yeah, no, this is a good question. So when it comes to eating organic food, organic, especially in Australia, can be so expensive. Um, If you do go to the environmental... environmental working group ewg they actually come out with a list every single year called the dirty dozen and essentially on that dirty dozen list these are the ones that have the most chemicals basically used on them throughout um the year and typically the ones that you want to try to buy organic i'll list a few because i can never remember the full 12 Mm -hmm. but it's things like tomatoes strawberries blueberries especially those ones those are the ones that unfortunately for some reason those are the ones that have a lot of pesticides and fungicides in them but if you go to the ewg and i can also send it to you if that's helpful yeah um of where you can get that dirty dozen list to figure out why um to figure out what you should be buying organic if you can't afford it and how organic is really going to help you and your hormones because you're going to get more nutrients and it's not going to be as taxing on your liver okay amazing yeah i'll link it in the uh like show notes for you guys so you have that there um let's start getting now into the question of is this for everyone because there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of people now that are thinking wow that's amazing but i have pcos or i don't get my period Mm -hmm. or so let's start doing that um let's start with pcos yeah that's a big one it's a big one it's a big one yeah (laughs) Yeah. i get it a lot yeah Mm. So I will say I don't have PCOS personally, but I do have clients that have PCOS and they still find cycle syncing to be tremendously helpful because you're starting to learn what your body is doing. Essentially, when it comes to PCOS, if you have PCOS and you don't really understand what is going on, the best way to explain it is that follicular phase where um, you're building up that estrogen testosterone and those eggs are developing to get you to ovulation. Essentially, what is happening is your body is continually trying to make that effort. So your pituitary is like okay let's develop those eggs let's get going Mm. and then it starts to get there but then it can't succeed and it goes back down to that beginning stage of okay let's start over and see if we can catch up that's essentially what your body is doing for an extended period of time and it's not being able to achieve that ovulation um and like i said when it comes to reversing pcos with nutrition i've seen people do it tenfold like people do it all the time um but i still think it can be incredibly helpful to start connecting to your body and to your hormones and understanding those mindset shifts and the nutrition shifts that are being made because when it comes to pcos a lot of people will reverse it through nutrition and that's where you can start to make these changes to your diet to see a better outcome wow and it's so crazy because like i think a lot of the people feel like they go to the doctor they're given like here's what you have and then it's just like you either suffer Mm. or you go on the birth control you know or you suffer (laughs) or you're you know this the the, basically this is like your fate and it's it's crazy because i've heard this before too that people can reverse pcos but it's i can't believe that it's just one of those things where it's like once you start to know what's going on and you can start to heal it you can Mm. literally heal it like yourself that's crazy yeah Yeah, because like 
Yeah, you're, like, also connecting to, like, your feminine and masculine energy. You're connecting all of these dots that you've never been able to before because, like you said, the doctor just says, well, you have it, Mm. and it is what it is. Good luck. Like, there's no solutions. While we can't cure PCOS, you can absolutely reverse it. And I've seen people, you know, get regular menstrual cycles. They no longer have the hair growth or the acne or the weight gain that they used to have. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then what about um, endometriosis? Yeah. So I definitely 100% agree that this can help with endometriosis. I know that if I have a lot of endo people out there, you're probably like, she's full of shit. I'm in so much pain. Like, I know. (laughs) I get it. I get it. You're in pain and I have been there. Trust me. But this is kind of the way that I started getting to the point where I am now. Like, I don't have painful periods. I'm ovulating every single month. I don't have mood swings. I don't have PMS. I don't have bloating. Like, that used to be a part of my story, and it's not. And starting with cycle syncing was the best thing I ever did. Like, the past six months, I have not synced my cycle. And it wasn't until two weeks ago. I was like, why do I feel like shit? I was like... There we go. That's on. I know exactly what. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That was it. <laughs> it's because I wasn't focusing on what's going on. And when you're dealing with endometriosis, something that is quite common, it's not necessarily that everyone with endometriosis has this, but it is very common that you will have low progesterone. And like I've been saying, when it comes to low progesterone, we want to look at estrogen. A lot of people with endometriosis have excess estrogen, and that is also due to the endometriosis tissue producing its own estrogen on top of what our body has to produce. But it also comes down to some people have low estrogen in their follicular phase and as they get over into their luteal phase because their progesterone is already low they can have excess estrogen that comes in there and makes up for that space where progesterone should be making you feel calm and make sure that you have you know your muscles aren't contracting and your endo is not inflamed that's where you see it so if you can start to make these little changes and connect the dots that's where you'll start to see changes with your endo inflammation wow okay and so it's about inflammation Yeah, so endometriosis is an inflammatory condition. There is a lot of old research that thought it was a uterus-based condition or a period-based condition, but it's actually an inflammatory condition. And they have found this tissue basically on every single organ in the body at this point. Um, So it goes beyond the uterus and it goes beyond the ovaries. It's not like PCOS where PCOS is hands down a hormonal condition and those all about dealing with the inflammation. Okay. And when it comes to inflammation for people who don't have endometriosis, what does that Mm. look like? Yeah. So I think a lot of people have inflammation. If you have any type of autoimmune disease, such as like hypothyroidism, arthritis, MS, those are inflammation, but you can also still have inflammation without Mm. any of these conditions there. So there's PCOS-based inflammation because there are four different types of PCOS. You'll also notice things like, do you get headaches? Do you get migraines? Do you often have body aches? Are you often bloated? I think one of the things we forget about inflammation, which I didn't understand at first either, is inflammation has to do with your gut, your gut microbiome, what's going on there, because that's basically your majority of your immune system is in your gut. And when Mm -hmm. it comes to inflammation, it basically just means an imbalanced immune system. Um, So when you're looking for symptoms, you're going to look at headaches, migraines, irregular periods. They've actually been finding so much research that irregular periods and inflammation are incredibly linked. Okay. yeah, you're going to be noticing body aches, uh, weight gain sometimes, bloating, constipation, yeah. diarrhea. All of those can contribute. Okay, yeah, because my next question was about irregular periods. Because I, I, I get that often where people are like, I don't have endometriosis. I don't have, um, I haven't been diagnosed with anything, but like I, I never know when I'm going to get it. Sometimes it comes randomly. <clears throat> what if they're in that situation? Yeah, so I just did a post on this because... 
before I became a nutritionist, I used to get this question all the time, like when I was just having my blog of Moonly. Mm. And the number one thing, and I've seen so many doctors say this, is if you're getting an irregular period, you don't have PCOS, you don't have endo, you don't have fibroids, you don't have ovarian cysts, make sure that you're eating enough. I think the modern day standard of calorie counting and calorie restriction is incredibly low. The average female should actually be eating anywhere from 2,000 to 2,500 calories a day um, for to maintain uh, body weight, to yeah. build muscle, to have energy. And a lot of times I see people's cycles regulate when they start eating enough. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I like, I have a history of um, an eating disorder and for a yeah. long time I saw, I saw your post about how a lot of people go around that 1200 um, space. Mm. Like that's a really, like, I remember seeing an mm. influencer or something talking about how she does 1200 calories a day. And she was like tracking all of her macros and like saying this percentage fat, yeah. this, like I used to be crazy about it. Like Same. it would literally be like 27.2% like, like fat. Mm. And I'd be like, ah, like, I was like crazy about it. Um, yeah. obviously, you know, had a mental illness, but you know, it's, yeah. it can, it can be a thing for a lot of people where mm. they really don't eat enough. I've heard that so much too. And I've learned that. And even for myself, like now I think I'm way better with it, obviously, but at the time, like it was just so normalized. And so I thought it was what I should do, you know? And then you see, uh, it's really easy to just be like very focused on like, okay, I like how this girl looks. I want to look like that. Mm. This is what she does. That's what's going to work for me. And like, it's just chasing this thing. That's like, how's that going to work? You know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because I used to have my fitness pal. I imagine there's some mm-hmm. people on here who had my fitness pal. No. And I would set it to a thousand calories. It's the trauma. The and trauma. Like, it's just it's yeah. here. I was like a thousand calories. Like what was I thinking? No wonder. Like I was in pain all the time. I was <sighs> exhausted. Yep. Like it makes total sense. God, it's horrible. It blows my, my mind. fitness pal. Hey, so a- many of us. Yeah, so many of us have fallen into that trap. And like you said, it's a mental illness and it's Mm. something that so many of us deal with that needs to have more recognition behind. Yeah, I literally had a doctor sitting in front of me and they made me delete the app. Like that's how bad it was. They lived, yeah, they were like, you have to delete the app. And I was like, no, like, how am I gonna know what's going in my body? Like I it was it's obviously it's a control thing and whatever, but like I was Mm. like, how am I gonna know? You know? And they're like, you just Mm. have to eat to like feel good. And like it wouldn't click for me at that point because I'd been doing it for so long. And I remember I deleted it in front of them and I like left and I like downloaded it again. And it was like an addiction. Like it's crazy. It really you really can get like that. Yeah, it's absolutely an addiction. I have not downloaded that app in a long time, no. and I'm thankful. Oh, <laughs> yeah. thank God. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah, and that's why, like, I don't really talk a lot about calories or, like, tracking a lot yeah. anyways. I just don't feel like yeah. it's the safest thing for a lot of Mm-mm. young people um, or yeah. for anyone, really, <laughs> even regardless yeah. of, like, gender and stuff. It's just – it doesn't matter. Like, it, I, don't, I think it can be yeah. very um, – yeah, very toxic for people, but you know, it works yeah. for some people. Some people love it and there's, you know, no judgment, but it's just, yeah. 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 Um, that's I, why I try to like not talk too much about when it comes to like balancing carb, fat and protein, mm. just try to fill your plate with like good fat. Cause I don't want you to start counting it. A lot of people count macros and like you said, it works for some people, but I've also seen that go down the rabbit hole very quickly as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, let's um, get into then. We've kind of talked about if you naturally have things going on that could be affecting your body. Mm. I want to talk now <laughs> about the different birth control options and how they might be affecting your cycle. I reckon we start mm. with the pill. 
<laughs> the birth control yeah. pill. <laughs> the pill. Have you followed? Do you know anything about the pill? Yeah, I was on it for six yeah. years. So I was put on it for oh. when I was when I was fourteen because I had acne on my back, um, yeah. and yeah, I was just put on it. They didn't explain to me any of the side effects. I, I didn't explain anything. I didn't even know it stopped ovulation. I didn't know anything. Like I was on it for yeah. so long, and then it wasn't until um, it was six years later that I was just gotten married, and I was like, okay, whatever. Mm. If I get pregnant, it's not the end of the world in my brain. Um, and at the time, I didn't know there were other options really that were actually like decent options. So in my mind, I, I even came off of it with the mentality of like birth control is basically the only option. Otherwise you, you can you use condoms, but like Same. a condom can break and maybe you'll still get pregnant. Like I still had Same. that like fear mindset and that like limited mindset, yeah. but I still went off of it. Cause I was just like, <clears throat> I only know my body on birth control. I'd been on it like all through puberty, you know? So I was like, I grew yeah. up on birth control. Like what the hell? And I have no idea what I might be like off of it. And I was just so curious. So yes, I've then done a bunch of research yes. and learned about <laughs> it and it's exactly. blown my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the pill, yeah, same here. I went on the pill when I was 10 and didn't come off until I was 13. So like 10. I, wow. It's yeah. And like, because I went on so young, I actually didn't know how the pill worked. Mm -hmm. All I knew is that it took away my painful periods. So like by the time I became sexually active, I didn't, I was like, you need to wear a condom. I need to get plan B. Like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I had no idea how birth control worked, but um, there are many side effects to hormonal birth control, unfortunately, such as it increases your chances of blood clots. And one thing I really want to put home here, especially after Haley Bieber, yeah. if you get migraines, if you get migraines or if you get migraines with auras and essentially a migraine with an aura is typically you notice that you lose part of your eyesight. You notice there's something going on with your eyesight that changes. That is an, is an aura. If you get either of those, your chances of having a blood clot and a stroke increase significantly wow. when it comes to the combination hormonal birth control pill. So there's other options out there, but combination hormonal birth control will increase that. Okay. And so what was the question? I'm sorry. What, um, what Well, what happens firstly with your hormones when you're on the birth control pill? Mm. Yeah. So essentially what the birth control pill does is it basically goes back to that pituitary gland and it tells it, we're not talking to the ovaries anymore. We're not producing FSH. And if we stop producing FSH, our other hormones don't happen. So like when if you guys see this video, um, <laughs> when the menstrual cycle is happening, if you look at the way our hormones go, we have like estrogen and then it drops off. We have LH, which takes off later and drops off. We have progesterone. That graph is just flat. There are There is no hormone production. So when you're taking right. ho combination hormonal birth control, you're taking... Um, I can't remember what the estrogen form is, but you're taking progestin and an estrogen form. Mm -hmm. Yes, it sounds like estrogen and progesterone, but it's actually not. It's a synthetic form, and our body basically shuts down our menstrual cycle, so you are no longer producing those hormones. So if you notice that your acne goes away, your, you know, any type of PMS goes away, your period pain goes away, that's because you don't have a menstrual cycle anymore. It's actually just been turned off. Yeah. Okay, cool. And switch obviously you don't have ovulation and then yeah. you don't <clears throat> technically have a period as well. Yeah. So it's actually a withdrawal bleed. Um, it's not technically a period. Essentially what your body does. I can't remember the full history around this. I've heard a few different history things mm -hmm. when it comes to the construction of birth control. You might have a better idea, but essentially they introduce it as a way of making women still feel like they're having a period yeah, yeah. so like you know how doctors say you can skip those 
sugar pills. You absolutely can. You can skip them because what you're bleeding is just the synthetic hormones. There is no actual period bleed. It's just a withdrawal from the synthetic hormones. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've kind of gathered historically as well is that they added it in because people were going on it and then they didn't get that reassurance that they weren't pregnant because obviously the goal was uh, uh, not yeah. getting pregnant, right? So they weren't getting that yeah. reassurance that they weren't pregnant and then they wanted to add in something. So they added that in um, because they knew that it wouldn't affect the like ability for it to stop or like be birth control still. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But um, interesting. Okay, interesting. If someone really wants <laughs> yeah. to stay on birth control, for whatever reason, they're mm-hmm. on the pill. They really want to stay on it. Can they still lean into cycle syncing? So when it comes to leaning into it, you can absolutely still incorporate these things. Because like I said earlier, it's not just going to benefit your menstrual cycle. It's going to benefit your health. Yeah. And when it comes to cycle syncing, you technically won't be syncing your cycle because there is no menstrual cycle to sync. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the hormonal birth control pill is still known to mess with the microbiome. It's still known to deplete B2, B6, B12, yeah. B9, zinc. And if you start to incorporate these changes, like adding more berries and adding more protein in and fats, you're going to be able to get those nutrients back into your body. Because when your body gets rid of it, we need zinc. Zinc is a super common deficiency, right. and it's one of the most common deficiencies in infertility, um, and it causes a lot of issues. So if you can start to include this whole food diet, it won't necessarily help you sink your cycle because there is no cycle but it is going to help replace those nutrients that are taken away from the birth control yeah okay cool and if you guys um want to hear more about going off birth control and even like my whole story with it whatever my first podcast my literal first podcast ever this is why i started the podcast was because (laughs) i had a transformation in my life when it came to coming off birth control so that's my first episode if you guys want to go back to that but that's there for you i think this is the thing with birth control is you always like you win some things and you lose some things like regardless of what it is you are choosing to stop something that your body like wants you to do you know it's just one of those things and even when it comes to like wearing a condom like we know that certain people don't like it like males and females whatever don't like it whatever but it's but it's a birth control option you know the pill lots of downfalls but obviously could stop you from getting pregnant right it's just one of those things like it's about choosing what works for your body and what seems to make the most sense for you and what makes you comfortable all of that you know the side effects that you get obviously once you do try a certain form and it either works or doesn't work for you it's about testing out kind of the waters a bit yeah, exactly. I 100% agree. Like if I would never would have gone on birth control when I was younger, I would have probably missed so much school, so much swim team, would have never mm. had a life. So even though it was a frustrating option now that I'm older, mm. it worked for me at the time. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. Yeah. Like you you need to think about what you need for your life and there definitely mm. shouldn't be like a judgment around people doing it. Like, and I try to, no. I feel like I can be on that line a little bit where I have to be careful because I am personally not someone who advocates for like the birth control pill like I would never encourage someone if someone's dming me like oh I'm looking into options I would never be like yeah go for the pill you know like I'm just not for it but um I definitely respect anyone who chooses to be on it because of whatever reason it's totally understandable um let's talk about the IUD Mm. Mm -hmm. which one Mm, let's start let's (laughs) let's start hormonal Yeah. So hormonal IUD, I honestly did not get it because I heard so many terrible things about the side effects. Um, it basically does the same thing. It shuts, it shuts down the menstrual cycle and 
I've just heard, I don't know if you've heard good things about it. I have yet to hear good things well, about I, the people, I've just The only positive thing I've heard is that it's more localized, in quotations. I'm doing little mm. bunny ears. And I'm, it's more localized. True. So is that, it, I guess it just means that it, it doesn't affect, people will say that it doesn't affect as many like systems of your body, but it's shutting off your menstrual cycle. It still shuts off your menstrual so, cycle. And I, fi- I find that people found it worse because it was so localized. Right. Based on what I've heard from people. I've never got it. But essentially, it's still hormonal birth control. It's still synthetic hormones. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the copper IUD, mm-hmm. this one's not hormonal. But the thing to be aware of with the copper IUD is it is copper in one of the most absorbent parts of your body. So while it's not affecting your hormones, keep in mind copper is a mineral and it can affect other minerals in the body. So for example, when people come off hormonal birth control or they have the copper IUD, if you have too much copper in the body, it can be very, very toxic and it can deplete other nutrients like zinc, which is going to affect magnesium, the complexes. So that's another thing to be aware of is yes, you can technically still, like you don't have the synthetic hormones, but you got that copper toxicity to be aware of. Yeah, and the most common thing I hear too with side effects and like symptoms of the copper IUD is like very painful periods and like heavy periods because it causes that inflammation. And so it's just that area will be so sensitive and then cramping and everything. Apparently that's, I hear that quite a bit as well. Yeah, and I've heard it's quite painful to get in Oof. and out. Yeah, there's a whole thing with it. Yeah. Look, guys, here's a little thing. If you are ever going to go get an IUD put in, you need to do your research when it comes to understanding what they are going to do to help you with the pain because you can ask for things, but essentially they yeah. take this, which I talked about this in a, I think it's my last podcast actually. Um, yeah. It is like a little clamp. They basically go up and they hold like your cervix. They basically are like piercing inside Uh-oh. of your body so that they can stabilize it so that they can go through and put the IUD up. And it's literally like getting a piercing inside <sighs> of your body. And people don't mm. think it's going to be painful. And then they go and get it done. And I've heard story after story of people who have fainted, people have puked, people have just full on just yeah. like, you know, passed out and they had no idea that it was going to be painful like that. So if you are going <laughs> to do an IUD, please God, Figure out how you can get pain, a pain management plan in place before you go and get that done because yeah, ooh, yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. That's a, that's a good tip because I've heard it's quite excruciating. <laughs> yeah. And also it's a whole thing yeah. too, even in like the, the States versus Canada, there's different ones that they offer. Um, and I had a conversation oh, with somebody on the podcast recently where she was saying that she actually had to travel to Canada to go get one that actually fit her, the size, like her body that actually really? fit her. Yeah. Because the one that they were going to give oh. her in the States, they don't actually go up and measure before they do it. They just give you whatever, like the general like more more popular one is or whatever the one they often use um and when she went to canada the doctor there was like that one literally could have caused very big issues for you down the road and it could have literally gone to the point of causing you infertility potentially because it's that big in comparison to how much space you actually had for one crazy that's crazy Mm. i had no idea Mm -hmm. so it's a good tip for everyone out there (laughs) good good yeah just you have to really look into it and understand that like when you go see a doctor they are working with the resources that they have and they've been told you know what to give to all these different situations and they are just doing what they know but and it's nothing you know against them but you are an individual and you have so many different needs and you know your body best. You live in your body every day. So you need to advocate for yourself. Like you need to do your research. You have to, even when it comes to like tracking your cycle, I say this all the time. Like it's so much better to have all this information where you've just tracked your period, even if you've gotten it regularly or whatever for the last say three months, then you take all of that like data to a doctor. It's so much better than just showing up and being like, Oh, I have irregular periods. What do I do? And they just pop you on the pill and then that's it. Like, 
You know, yeah. it's a, it's a whole process. It's something that you really want to like lean into and like take the time to care about it and like actually ask yourself the questions, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last question I was going to ask about this is if someone is thinking of wanting to change, um, how do they go about that in a way that is healthy? Cause I think some people will hear all oh, the birth control is really bad, the birth control pill, and they just stop it like that. Is that a bad thing to be doing when it comes to your cycle? Yeah, so I f- I think the biggest thing to be aware aware of is if you had any symptoms prior to going on the pill, those will likely come back mm-hmm. because we didn't address the root cause for those. So painful periods, acne, right. mood swings. It is important to be aware that those will come back. I would personally recommend, and I have done this for several people, is start making those nutritional changes beforehand. Like I said, birth control depletes zinc, B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin E. Start getting those in your diet before you come off so that when you come off, you're already getting supported. You're not just like when I when I came off birth control, I just did it cold turkey like I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) I would not recommend anyone to do that. But if you can start to support yourself, you know, like whether that's acupuncture or starting to exercise differently, Mm. like starting to incorporate that cycle sinking mindset, it is going to be a much easier transition coming off. Okay. Um, The other thing is this is obviously is going to apply to heaps of people, but I want to just for the effort of being like inclusive and everything as well. If someone is taking hormones, um, male to Mm. female, male or female to male, is that going mm-hmm. to like, I mean, yes, but like how, how could it change everything? Like, is there something they should be yeah. leaning into? Do they need to go see someone before they look at cycle syncing? I would honestly meet with a specialist cause I'm not well versed. Yeah. I do have a friend who teaches a fertility awareness method and she had p- several people that were transitioning mm-hmm. to female, female to male mm-hmm. who were learning how to chart their cycle. So there still is part of it to it, but I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not knowledgeable and I would find someone who actually knows what they're doing when it comes to that. I would definitely, yeah, do your research when you're trying to find someone. Because even I've tried looking for some of the people that follow me on Instagram and I have not found anyone who has gone into this topic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that is, it's really hard to, because like we already feel like we're talking about how people go in who are say, you know, they identify as women or non-binary or they, you know, they go in and they already feel like they're not getting the adequate healthcare from say the birth control options and the things that we're getting. And then when you add in someone who's maybe transitioning as well, um, it's just, it makes it even so much harder for them as well, because they go in with all these feelings of like, Oh, this doctor is going to see me this way or see me that way. And it's, it is really difficult, but yeah, I definitely, I think the same, I think going to go see someone who does genuinely understand like a endocrinologist or something like that, where they really are going to sit down and they can look at, like they can show you chart wise what's happening with your hormones and that can help you learn to like sync to that. Um, and obviously like it's going to be different male to female and female to male. Um, but yeah, yeah, going to see someone, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Seeing someone that actually knows what they're doing and what they're talking about is your best bet. Mm. All right. Well, after talking about all the birth control (laughs) methods, are there natural methods other than condoms? (laughs) There are natural methods. Um, So there's kind of an umbrella term, which hold on, don't shut me out. But there's an umbrella term called FAM. Now, if you have heard of the rhythm method, which most of us have, I think it's not the rhythm method. The rhythm method is a completely different thing. So FAM has several different charting methods under it. It has symptothermal method, 
the Billings method, mm-hmm. um, the Femme method. I'm pretty sure there's a few other ones. And these are natural birth control options. I've been doing the symptothermal method for the past three or four years, and I absolutely love it. It's been the best thing because just apart from avoiding pregnancy, it's also made me understand my body. When I was talking about earlier how there are different links to each uh, phase of the cycle so follicular phase can be anywhere from 9 to 27 days long mm-hmm. you when you start to learn to chart your cycle you can't actually say what day you've ovulated on but you can find your fertile window and mm-hmm. you can understand ovulations likely in here and there's so much information looking at your cervical fluid looking at your basal body temperature that can tell you more than just about your cycle it can tell you about what's going on with your thyroid health or what's going on with your digestion your blood sugar your estrogen there's so much data and so there are several different options that are evidence-based they've been proven in the silence um proven in the science and if that's something you're interested in i would highly recommend looking into it Mm, and just to clarify can you do this just by using an app and tracking your cycle (laughs) great question it's like right in the moment of things no so if you are using this is a good point because when i first started i was actually using natural cycles and i know natural cycles is fda approved but it is still not accurate. If any mm-hmm. app is telling you when you are ovulating or when your period is coming based off of past cycles, it's not accurate and don't trust it. Because essentially, when you this is the difference between the rhythm method and learning to chart your cycle. The rhythm method basically t- took people's past cycles to determine when they were going to ovulate, when they were going to have a period. Mm. But like I said, you can ovulate anywhere from 9 to 27 days after your first period. That's going to change month to month and person to person. Sometimes my ovulation window happens around day 19. Sometimes it's around day 14. Wow. And so you have yeah, you have to be able to chart every single day to understand what your body is telling you. Mm. So those apps, unless it's the daisy or read your body... No, not Daisy. Sorry. Unless it's read your body or Kandara, then no. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've actually noticed that now that I'm getting more and more like comfortable with seeing my cycle and stuff, I've noticed that in my app, it will say like ovulation in a few days and then I don't notice anything. And then this last cycle that I had, um, because I like will see my discharge and I understand what it means. I ovulated a lot cool. later than I um, expected yeah, and I go. noticed and I was like what the hell is this doing here I was like oh everything's out of whack like I was like what's going on <laughs> you know but it's crazy like yeah. I started to notice that as well so um, I know natural cycles uses the like thermometer thing so yeah. is that the same thing that you do or is it different how is it different yeah so natural cycles uses the basal body temperature thermometer when it comes to charting your cycle you want to at least use two different biomarkers so what i do is i use basal body temperature and cervical cervical fluid the issue with basal body temperature is it can only tell you after you've ovulated so it can't tell you that you're leading up so one other key thing to know is fertile cervical mucus sperm can live in that for five days so if the basal body temperature isn't telling you that you've like if the basal body temperature tells you okay you've ovulated the egg is passed but it doesn't tell you that you've led up to ovulation or when you're near it Mm. that's why you have to incorporate cervical fluid cervical positioning or um, lh testing is another option that people do based on the method that you decide to pick okay 
Okay, yeah. Yeah, because, um, funny story, I was going to do a <laughs> collaboration with um, Natural Cycles, actually, and they yeah. sent me the thing, and I did the whole, like, I started using it, and first of all, I just was like, I'm sorry, but I am i don't think I can do this. Like, it was just not happening for yeah. me. Will I one day, potentially, if we don't want to use condoms and whatever, maybe really lean into it? Sure. Um, yeah. But he's just going to take the L right now, because I'm not, I'm not interested yeah. in doing that consistently <laughs> right now, if I'm honest. Um, but I yeah. definitely think it's a really good option because I know a lot of people that do do it and it works for them perfectly fine so don't use my bad attitude as an excuse um but yeah with natural cycles like I was using the app and stuff and I felt like within the first month it was like like you're not gonna get pregnant today and I was like oh I don't know like I didn't trust it like (laughs) I didn't trust it didn't feel like I had enough information like it felt a bit automated and I was kind of like I don't know like from what I know of the body and it being so different um not just person to person but month to month and I was like oh I don't know so I didn't like stick with it but I did I do think it's interesting but I definitely see why you need more than one biomarker like you said. Yeah, you need more than one biomarker. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, for example, as you're leading up to ovulation, when we're talking about cervical mucus, there's different type of, yes, yeah, cervical mucus is also normal. I should probably say that. Mm. <laughs> if you're noticing certain types of cervical mucus, it's actually normal as you're approaching ovulation and your cervix actually changes positions. Sometimes it's higher mm-hmm. or lower in certain parts in your menstrual cycle and your cervix actually opens and closes depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle. So that's why it can be very helpful to have those extra biomarkers, especially if you're trying to avoid pregnancy to make sure that you can do it. (laughs) Love that. Yeah. Um, circling back a little bit, I have another question about when it comes to eating for your cycle. Um, can you do this whilst also being like vegan or vegetarian or paleo or what have Mm. you? Yeah, absolutely. You can do this. Obviously, paleo might look a little bit different because there are different types of foods that are removed. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, like it's it's whole food. It's about eating for your body. When it comes to being vegan, I would really focus on things like tofu to help with that protein. But you can still do absolutely everything else because everything else in the cycle is still relying upon vegetables and fruits yeah. and making sure you're not getting olive oil and nuts and seeds, chia seeds. Chia seeds are going to be your best friend as well and flax seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then vegetarian, I would focus focus on the egg component for the protein, but everything else you can do. So any of these diets, I'm gluten-free, dairy-free, tree and nut seed free, and I still manage to do it. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, And I find like, I find a lot of people will feel like certain protein isn't like real protein because it's not like meaty or whatever. Um, Is Mm. there genuinely like a different effect that different protein has on our body, like avocado versus like bacon kind of thing? Mm. Yeah. So based on my research and training is that when it comes to like would you use bacon? <laughs> bacon yeah. versus avocado. Sure. Or like bacon versus black beans is a big example. Okay. When it comes to things like black beans or peanuts, there's absolutely protein in it. But the issue that usually comes in is that the carb ratio is a lot higher than the protein ratio. Mm-hmm. So your body is typically going to be like, well, if there's more carb out of this, I'm going to take the carb because we need that energy. Yeah. And so like actual meat such as bacon or turkey, has also essential amino acids that can be used for our body. Uh, but obviously, look, everyone has different reasons for not eating meat, and I completely respect that. Yeah. So if you can try to get those other components in there, like tofu, like eggs, those are great places as well. Okay, and that's what you that's what you meant earlier when you were talking about like our body prioritizing things in different yeah. foods? Okay. 
Yeah, so there's definitely protein in it, but it's just that your body's like, ooh, there's more carb in there. I'm going to prioritize it as a carb today. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. When it comes to, next question, unhealthy food and wanting a little cheeky Macca's meal, whatever, does that throw things off? Like if you have a week of really good eating on your cycle and then you just have a bad meal, is that going to like throw it all off kilter? No, not at all. Like if you are doing everything to, you know, usually on the daily to support your body as much as you can, if you go out for that cupcake or that McDonald's or that Hungry Jack's, your body is going to be able to deal with it and Mm -hmm. be like, cool, like you were happy during this meal. Like let's produce some happy hormones and move on. Like you can still enjoy yourself. Like for me, there is no bad food. It's just about making sure you're getting enough energy, vitamins, and minerals, and then enjoy your life. Yay. Okay. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's move on. I want to talk about symptom management, um, starting with eliminating things like PMS, cramps, symptoms like that. Is this going to help us with that by the end of it? Mm. I will say that cycle syncing will start you out and help you get there. (laughs) It'll help you start you out on the track. There is usually a bit more work that needs to be done, but this is basically where everyone starts when they get into it. Because the other thing is, I feel like, and I've seen you talk about this, is like that masculine and feminine energy, also really deep diving into those, like that mindset, workout, all of those are still going to help. Like, for example, I I know that like CrossFit and HIIT workouts are super in, and I'm not going to lie, like I do love them, but they destroyed my hormones and they can destroy a lot of people's hormones unfortunately and lead to things like pms and low progesterone so this is definitely going to start you out on that track and some people notice a huge difference Mm. but some people might need a bit more work and that's okay yeah i've definitely had like heaps of comments recently since i've been talking about fitness a bit more on tiktok and stuff um with people saying that they did like big big workouts for years and like struggled to lose weight and just could not lose weight and had as well like really bad periods and then they switch to something like Pilates or yoga or something like that. And it just like automatically, like they literally just started losing weight. Like it was no problem. And like, not that the goal is weight loss and we're not obviously encouraging that, but I just thought it was Mm. so interesting because I was like, that's wild. Cause people always think like, Oh, the harder you go, you know, the more you sweat, you know, if you get, if you sweat, it's like sweating out fat. Like I feel like people think that, you know, it's like the picture of the sweat, like this fat dripping off them, like, (laughs) you know, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that at all. No, it doesn't. And like most of the time, most of the research that has been done on hit workouts and CrossFit have been done on males. They actually haven't been done on females. They haven't incorporated the menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And like, when I saw that you taught Pilates, I was like, amazing. Yeah. (laughs) we go but yeah like hit workouts crossfit like i have seen them wreck so many menstrual cycles and so many hormones and when they come right off of it because your body's basically you're basically telling your body like cool like we're getting our heart rate up like we're in survival Mm. mode it produces the cortisol from your adrenals but if it's continually doing that every single day your body's basically registering that as a tiger is chasing me every single day yeah and it's going to eventually say like okay, maybe we're in danger. We need to hold on to fat to make sure that we can survive anything else that happens. We're going to shut off the menstrual cycle because it's not going to help us survive in this moment. So let's shut it off. And we don't really want to bring a baby into an environment that's causing this much stress. Um, So your body definitely registers what is going on around you and what you're doing to your body. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's crazy. Um, So when people say someone wants to start to eliminate say period cramps and stuff like that let's start with cramps how can they start to do that do you have any tips on that 
Yeah, my first place to start is essentially when it comes to painful periods, painful periods are caused by high oh can't speak high (laughs) high prostaglandin levels and essentially prostaglandins are fats so sometimes if we are not balancing our meals with carbon protein with our fats or we're eating too many like fried foods anything like that Mm -hmm. we want to start incorporating more omega-3s into the diet to help bring down those prostaglandin levels we absolutely need prostaglandins prostaglandins are what helps our uterus contract when we start our period that's how we shed that inner uterine lining without prostaglandins our uterus wouldn't contract so the first place I would start is starting to get more omega-3s in. If you eat fish, going for things like salmon and tuna and all of those really healthy fish. If you don't, looking into maybe getting an omega-3 supplement because that's going to help bring down those prostaglandin levels. And the other thing is um, that I see across the board is a lot of sugar, refined sugar especially. So I ate so much sugar growing up I'm a lot better now <laughs> but if you find that you are a pastry cupcake brownie type of person try making more of it at home with maple syrup with honey because that refined sugar really plays into that inflammation on the gut if we have it too much too often occasionally it won't matter but that build-up effect can affect the prostate levels and can affect those progesterone levels so those are usually where I would start and lastly if I can throw in another tip mm. is like I was saying with the follicular phase, throwing in more cruciferous vegetables because that's going to help get dim to your liver and gallbladder, which is where we detox that excess estrogen okay. and high estrogen and high and high prostaglandin levels go hand in hand. Mm, okay. When it comes to the sugar, yeah. is that eating it throughout the whole cycle can affect it or is it specifically at a certain time you should try to avoid it? I would say try to limit it throughout your entire menstrual cycle, but when you're in that luteal phase just before your period, start to cut back and replace it with maple syrup, Mm. replace it with honey, stevia, anything like that. I just... I don't know why, but for some reason, the component of refined sugar... It, it greatly affects the gut microbiome and yeah. that is going to affect our hormones. And that's where we see that playing a massive role. Yeah. When it comes to, I want to kind of go back a little bit to when we were talking about like weight management and exercise and stuff like that. And then also talking about yeah. symptoms with like cramps. I know that it can be helpful to exercise as well to get rid of cramps. Um, do yeah. you know why that is? Do you know what's yeah. going on there? So from the nutritional standpoint, um, when you exercise, there are, when I was talking about the liver and gallbladder, there are three stages of detoxing and our liver and gallbladder is responsible for dealing with estrogen. Estrogen is where we see period cramps, fibroids, heavy periods, all of that is where we see that excess estrogen. When you are working out, you're sweating, you're moving your lymphatic system. These are all part of those detoxing methods. So when you're working out, you're sweating. That is the last part of the detox. That's getting it. Your liver has broken it down. The gallbladder has dealt with it and now it's getting sweated out of your body. Your lymphatic system goes throughout your entire body. The lymphatic system, essentially, you know, when you go to the doctor and they like feel around each side of your throat, they're checking your, they're checking your lymph nodes. That is a massive system that goes throughout and the only way that the lymphatic system can move is actually if you are moving so it's not like the heart where it just beats on its own if you're not moving your body that lymphatic system is not moving and it's not draining and also working out helps with um, like muscle contraction and also getting your digestion moving so if you deal with constipation make sure you're also getting your digestion moving and getting poop out because that's another area where sometimes excess estrogen gets recycled back into the body Mm, so your lymphatic system's like when it comes to your um your lymph nodes can you ever mm. can you ever feel if something is off by like feeling your lymph yeah. nodes? 
So I'm not a doctor, but <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm going. A, I'm going a bit off script okay. here. I'm just. <laughs> that's okay. So yeah, if you take your two fingers and you go on, well, I guess that'd be either side of your cheekbones. Yeah, like that, just, how would you just yeah, um, underneath yeah. your jaw, your jaw. Underneath your jaw, you know when doctors feel that when you go in, it's because they're feeling your lymph nodes. And if you also take your fingers on the back of your neck and you do kind of a j on each side Mm -hmm. you'll kind of notice if there's bumps like i had one that was swollen for like seven years those are some areas or like when they say make sure you're checking for breast cancer you're checking some of your lymph nodes in your underarm and on your breast those are things that you're checking for as well so you can you can check these at home they recommend checking it all the time i check mine every day i feel like i'm always touching them (laughs) i don't know why like i feel it like it's not like i don't get like pain or anything but even sometimes if i'm Mm. stressed and stuff i'll almost feel like i it's like it's like oh I feel like I'm getting a cold or something because I feel like they're getting a bit oh, swollen yeah. or something and I'll literally be going yeah. like oh, sorry you guys you can't see me but I'm like touching my chin <laughs> and like drawing my fingers like down towards the back of mm. my neck because it just feels yeah. like it's like helping release it a bit I don't know I don't know what I'm doing but it feels good like it, it's weird how it's intuitive yeah it's intuitive <laughs> I don't know it just feels like I'm doing something but yeah it's interesting yeah. how yeah if I get stressed I'll like notice they feel a bit like that and then it almost makes me feel like mm. a bit like bloaty and then I can tell I can like see it in myself mm. that I'm not good it's crazy our bodies are crazy interesting yeah. so intuitive I love there it you go. thank you thank you I'm working yeah, on course. it <laughs> um okay well do you have anything to add about any of that before we move on no no, I feel okay. like that's all I got. Love that. Love that for us. <laughs> now, okay, look, last guys, I've got this whole little section here. It's just like bonus questions, things that didn't really necessarily fit into like any category, but I just, it was like all your questions and I want to make sure you get to ask them. So I'm going to start out. Number one is, can we boost fertility using our nutrition cycle? Is there a way to boost mm. fertility? Is that a thing? I'll use the word optimize. Okay. (laughs) I'll use optimize. Love that. So when it comes to fertility, you're still relying upon ovulation, like like we would talk about with the entire menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the menstrual cycle, we are looking at making sure that we have plenty of vitamins and minerals to have healthy estrogen, get us a healthy egg, and get on to making a healthy egg. And for... Mm -hmm. um, progesterone and when you are looking at vitamins and minerals especially for fertility you want to look at b9 b2 b6 b12 and zinc and vitamin c like those are your top like at least from my experience my work the top fertility minerals obviously there's a lot of things that play into these such as Mm. gene mutations like the mthfr gene mutation affects b9 but you want to try to focus on vitamins and minerals which we get from our food ideally we want to get them from our food over supplements and that's going to optimize your fertility tremendously yeah actually i was going to ask as well about supplements when it comes to getting things i know we want to be getting it primarily in our food um but should we be taking supplements as well Um, I would say don't overdo it with the supplements because I think oftentimes this this has happened to me as well is sometimes we assume that we're deficient in something and we go out and buy the supplement Mm. and turns out our body doesn't need it. And then we end up depleting something else Mm. because essentially our vitamins and minerals have cofactors. And if we have too much of one thing, the other thing will go down, which affects the entire like mineral status. So when it comes to taking 
vitamins and minerals, not all supplements are bad. Like for example, majority of the world's um, soil is deficient in magnesium. So a lot of people have to supplement in magnesium. It's one of the top yeah. supplements out there, I feel like. And vitamin D is a huge one. Mm. So it's not that supplements are bad, but you want to try to get as much from your food as possible because yeah. that's the natural source. That's the original source. Yeah, because I don't, I, I do take vitamins um, and I take like, mm. I, I know I take like a vegan fish oil. So it's like fish oil, but it's the algae rather than the fish it's a whole thing I don't really know the science behind it but there you go I take that (laughs) um I do that I take zinc as well um I because I don't eat heaps of like red meat and so I take zinc um what else do I take Hmm. but other ones I take are like natural as well so I take ashwagandha which is like really great for anxiety and stuff and then I take like curcumin as well so I take a few cool. like just kind of like natural ones and I I go through a company called um Vitable Vitamins and they're like really good cuz they have these little packets cool. that they send you and it's like super oh, yeah. you've, you've probably seen it yeah. yeah. It's like it's yeah. quite good because they're they're very sustainable and like they um you can like what's it called dispose um decompose decompose that's the word these the little like yeah. packets they give you and it's like it's oh, it's awesome. good you can just throw them in your bag so i really like those um but i always feel like because there's such a market for it and like i don't know about you guys mm. but i literally i swear to god i get every single ad about every supplement like yeah. they, they're just trying to supplement. they're trying to pump things into me at this point and i'm like guys yeah. you know it's yeah. it, it's a lot and sometimes it does feel overwhelming and i'm like I don't want to take too much and I can't like, I can't even get myself to barely take my vitamins half the time, let alone like take something before bed, take something in the morning. Like, no, there's no way in hell, you know, it's just not happening. So I I feel like keeping it simple and going like lighter on the vitamins is probably better anyways. Yeah, Um, I agree. And, and, I know as well too, like when it comes to bioavailability, it's a bit of a thing where we can't get it as well from the vitamins, right? Like we get it better from the food the food it's better absorbed and the other thing is for my people who are not vegan or vegetarian Mm. some basically in the functional health field one thing they call nature's multivitamin if you do want to get pretty much what is equal to a multivitamin is grass-fed beef liver and oysters are both incredibly nutrient dense if that's something that you're interested in and you don't want to go out and buy all of these supplements i think everyone can benefit from grass-fed beef liver tablets mm. i know it's like a whole thing i know like, it's a it's whole thing <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing but if that's something that interests you happily do your research because yeah. it's a good spot to start yeah because i've heard about that heaps like i've heard that a yeah. bunch now look i haven't yeah. i haven't gotten into it but i do love oysters and every time i get oysters oysters are so good they're so good and i know <laughs> yeah. that they're yeah. so good for you too with like everything that you get mm. in them so every time I get them I never feel bad I'm like five yeah. six dollars an oyster get me 12 I don't yeah. give a shit like I don't Seriously. care <laughs> spoon them into my yeah. mouth like <laughs> literally six dollars an oyster but I prefer oysters over beef liver because they taste better I also love like Kilpatrick because they're freaking amazing mm, so yum I'm with you there oh, I love <laughs> yeah. that oh, so good yeah um let's see okay what else another one I thought about was bloating Let's talk mm. about bloating. Is bloating normal? Ooh. Should we, is it okay? Is it something that we should normalize or is it something that should be like dealt with? Mm. I think when it comes to bloating, like if you notice that you, most of the time when you eat meals that you're st- like your stomach is a little bit bigger, that's not, I wouldn't say that's not normal mm. because your body is creating certain acids and hormones to break down this food. Yeah. But if you are noticing bloating, like true bloating where like you're like my pants don't fit I feel horrible I feel huge like you just don't feel good after you eat that's not normal and there are quite a few quick 
ways to start addressing it. Obviously there could be more stuff going on, but typically I notice it's like the top three reasons people are bloated is quite simple to fix. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So like number one, you want to make sure that you're chewing your food. So if you are not chewing your food at least 30 to 40 times before you swallow, that can actually increase your chances of bloating. Mm-hmm. Cause essentially when your food goes down into your stomach, you produce something called hydrochloric acid. And that basically goes at the food and it breaks it down so it can get through the rest of the digestive system. But if you have not chewed it to basically this paste texture, your body's going to struggle to break that down. So if you ever notice you go to the toilet and you poop and you still have like full food in there, that means that your body really struggles to break it down like corn's a common one that people usually notice in their stool you want to make sure you're chewing enough because if your stomach acid is trying to break down um those like larger chunks of food it's going to move throughout the system that way and it irritates the rest of the system and that can also cause bloating Mm. um number two is oh my gosh i just went blank make sure you're chewing your food another thing (laughs) is when you are I like I highly recommend eating like a lot of vegetables raw because there's some that are great Mm. but if we eat too many vegetables raw then it actually does irritate our system our body doesn't have the ability to break down these foods that are full of like great fiber a lot of foods are actually better broken down when we cook them and then our body Mm. can get them out a lot quicker okay so that's another tip okay oh interesting um okay Hmm. if someone has bloating and they also Mm. get acid reflux or like any acid, mm. things like that. Is that all related? <clears throat> yeah, so acid reflux is usually associated with low hydrochloric acid, which is in our stomach. That's what was helping break down our food. Mm-hmm. So it basically releases when we swallow our food. Um, so you'll notice low hydrochloric acid. So the best things you can do there is making sure you're getting plenty of B12, B9, and B2. You also want to make sure that you're chewing your food and cooking your vegetables. And I know this can be hard in today's world, but not eating when you're stressed out because when you when you're stressed out your digestion slows down your body doesn't prioritize that food so trying to focus on those things can really help with hydrochloric acid Mm. and i've heard about acid reflux things about like caffeine and alcohol Mm. are there any things anything there you think is like to add Mm. i would say alcohol absolutely i think (laughs) that alcohol is fun i don't based on current science there isn't too much benefit to alcohol when it comes to coffee most people i notice when they are dealing with coffee issues is are you eating a meal with it or are you just supplementing it as a meal um one of the things we have noticed is that if you can accompany coffee with protein most of those symptoms will go away oh my god so a little quick fix make sure that you're not using coffee as your breakfast try to have something with it whether that's like yogurt or just like a small meal try to eat something with your coffee oh that's that's me i have such (laughs) a hard time oh my god i because if i'm like ready to leave the house i'm like coffee overeating is my option which is bad i do that and i also too like because i'm rushing i don't think about drinking water so i show up somewhere i am even more dehydrated than i was when i woke up because i've drank a whole big ass coffee and i'm literally like have a headache i feel like shit for like three hours i'm like what am I doing like it's so bad it's just there's your coffee it's just poor it's yeah. poor planning it's the coffee it's the lack of water yeah. it's the lack of protein it's yeah try to eat with it and drink water hopefully you start to feel better okay thank you I needed that yeah of course I needed that of course right um okay what else when it comes to bloating 
is this different Mm -hmm. to inflammation? I feel like this is a dumb question, but I feel like I hear Mm -hmm. people talking about like, oh, I'm feeling so bloated, like blah, blah, blah. I'm so inflamed. And I feel like it gets used interchangeably Mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So bloating can be a symptom inside of inflammation, but I wouldn't necessarily, it's the same thing. So inflammation, like I said, it does go back to your gut, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be bloated. Some people don't deal with bloating at all. And that's just part of their normal. Mm. But when you're dealing with bloating, um, other things that you might want to look at down the road, I wouldn't say start here, but look at is you can be dealing with things like bacterial overgrowth. Like candida is super common. So if you notice that you have like eczema, asthma, white-coated tongue, you're dealing with yeast infections all the time. Mm. Those can all kind of be signs of candida overgrowth or you're craving like sugar, bread, and pasta, like one of the biggest signs of candida. Or you might be dealing with SIBO. SIBO, you're usually looking at bloating and excessive gassiness. Like they smell like horrific as well can be a sign of SIBO (laughs) or parasites a lot of us are dealing with underlining parasites so there are other symptoms that can contribute but I wouldn't say start there because the whole protocol to go through dealing with bacterial overgrowth can be quite extreme Mm. so start with the beginning stuff other tip I wanted to add in so sorry that's fine when it when it comes to hydrochloric acid and supporting your gut health try to eat more fermented food so obviously you have Mm. the store-bought probiotics but a lot of quality fermented foods have the same amount if not more probiotics in them than the probiotics you're going to buy at your store and um do they also have prebiotics in them as well yeah okay yeah so prebi most probiotics don't have prebiotics but prebiotics literally come from your vegetables and fruits so that's where you get the prebiotics to feed them but you can also easily get prebiotics um from your local health food yeah i know you can get like um combination ones and stuff like that Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Interesting. When it comes to inflammation, if someone feels like they're having issues, but they don't know what it is, I feel like a lot of people are just like, oh, I think I have inflammation. Can you know Mm. if you have inflammation, quote unquote? I would say look at those symptoms that I was talking about earlier when it comes to like, you have the joint pain, you have the chronic acne, you might be dealing with bloating constipation, diarrhea, headaches, Mm. migraines. Um, Those are kind of the things I would look for when it comes to inflammation. But what's causing the inflammation is where you'd want to figure out like why it's happening like obviously something going on with your gut health are you dealing with bacterial overgrowth parasites or is there mold mold is a really common thing now and Mm. getting that out is a whole process (laughs) oh my god wait can you talk more about that what's what's oh my gosh honestly i can be honest and say i don't even know enough i wish i did i'm still doing my research because it turns out mold is so difficult like i wish i understood more but mold is a big one nowadays do you feel like you're dealing with mold yes (laughs) because oh no we um we (laughs) We had really bad, I know it probably would have been similar for you, the rain. Was the rain really bad a bit ago for you guys? Uh, Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, we had really, really bad rain here in Sydney for like weeks. Like literally, Mm. it'd be like three weeks straight, like no sunny days, guys. It was hell, okay? It was horrible. Mm. And I literally, (laughs) we our bathroom, uh, our whole ceiling had like heaps of mold, like bad, bad, bad. Are you serious? Yeah, and we tried to like get someone to come fix it and they were like, oh, like we don't have any time. Like we just have way too many clients, like our rent person or whatever who is useless by the way um (laughs) hopefully she doesn't listen to my podcast uh please fix my mold (laughs) anyways she didn't do anything so we went and bought a product and then my husband like sprayed it and cleaned it and he like his eyes were like red for like two days from like trying to clean it because he's using this like bleach which is also bad to have in our space but like mold or bleach what are you gonna do you need it so we cleaned it off and everything and it's been fine but like we still (laughs) notice random spots in our house we'll get it it's like a pretty old flat 
Um, and we'll just get yeah. it like randomly on like the walls or like in our ceiling. We've just noticed it in our bedroom a bit too. And I was saying to him when we first mo- noticed the mold, especially when it was in the bathroom, because when you shower, then you have like the like the steam and everything you're literally breathing it in like oh my god horrible i was noticing like i was very sniffly and i it was like i was having um like allergic like reaction to something like if i was having like yeah like sniffles like kind of like coughing whatever and it was it was like i had a cold basically for like weeks and the thing was was like everyone was super scared about covid and stuff too so i always felt weird because i was like i know i don't have covid I just think I have this like shitty flat that I'm living oh. in, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I would, yeah. When I do more research on mold, I'll definitely let you know because that can stick around the body for a really long time. Unfortunately. Oh no, I'm cursing my body. <laughs> let oh. me know. I'll, I'll let you know what I come up with. <laughs> oh god, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get it cleaned up though. You know, it's fine. Like the, our bathroom is fine yeah. now, and like things are a lot better. But I I've heard that it's very bad for you, and like it would freak me mm-hmm. out. And I'd always be like, like I'm I'm just like so extra. Like I'd walk in the room and be like, oh my god, I can smell it. Can't you smell it? Why can't you smell? It? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like it just. It doesn't like it doesn't bother me, and I'm like, oh, it's horrible yeah. for your health. Like I'm just like that crazy. I'm like yeah. a crazy mom, you know. Like I love it. No, it's good. <laughs> it is good. I love it. Um, okay, well, interesting. Very interesting. We will figure that out. Hopefully, I'm gonna be okay, guys. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah, me you'll and be, my you'll health. Be good. <laughs> you'll be good. <laughs> God. Um, another thing is like when so when someone say maybe they're having some issues, whatever they don't know, kind of who to see going forward. At what point do you think it's necessary for someone to go get like um, either see a doctor or even get like hormone testing people were asking about Mm. yeah that's a good question so obviously if you ever feel like something is an issue go see your doctor when it comes to hormone testing you're gonna want to the gold standard nowadays is the dutch test the dutch test is done out of the u.s most tests unfortunately due to people not understanding the menstrual cycle most hormone tests aren't actually as accurate the dutch test unless you're professional knows to test certain hormones on certain days which i can't remember the specific days because i never test hormones Mm. but you want to make sure they're tested on certain days and that's what the dutch test does from a functional perspective i usually recommend hormone testing last and the reason that i recommend it last is because it's not the the root cause to why you're having hormone imbalance symptoms Mm. so like obviously i can get a test back and it says you have really high estrogen and really low progesterone well i know that but then then I still have to look back, okay, what's affecting the pituitary gland? Is it your gut super inflamed? Mm. Is it your blood sugars imbalanced? So that's where you want to maybe look more towards the GI stool MAP testing and HTMA testing, which is hair tissue mineral analysis, which can look at your your um, mineral status, your heavy metals in your body. And the GI stool MAP is going to analyze for parasites and bacterial overgrowth. Oh, wow. Okay. I would start, yeah, I would start there. And then most of the time people don't even lead into the uh, hormone testing after that because their hormones start improving when they address those two areas yeah because I think for me like I definitely experience this my automatic thing is I read about oh here's a symptom of high this low that and I go oh my god that's mm. me maybe I should go get it tested yeah. so I know like you know what I mean I'm like it's like I, yeah. I want I want someone to go yep that's you but like at the same time yeah. I'm like how is that's not gonna help me obviously and mm. yes to a certain point if you can't figure out what's going on obviously getting a diagnosis or whatever is valuable for many situations but like at the same yeah. time I was like what am I going to do go sit there have them tell me that this is an issue and then I need to fix it like and then that's it you know yeah I don't know yeah but. exactly okay yeah and I think that if you do work with a practitioner that also does hormone testing on top of gut health testing on top of x y and z 
then they just get it all done in one hit and that's cool as well. But I, I highly recommend looking at gut health testing and those other tests before you jump towards hormone tests because they're not cheap either. I know. I was going to say, that's, it's yeah, freaking not expensive. <laughs> like, I, really expensive. I know. I need to get my Medicare in Australia still because I've just been lazy and mm. putting it off, which is bad. I shouldn't do yeah. that. I, I don't have healthcare right <laughs> yeah. now. Like, what a what, horrible choice. <laughs> bad adult. Like, yeah. But <laughs> I literally spent like over, it was like 120 bucks or something the other day and I went and sat down for a doctor mm. with like for like 30 minutes and it was just to talk to them about how I had like some stomach issues and things that have been going on which I know is all related to this which is why I'm, I've been so interested in this for so long mm. um yeah and by the end of it they're just like yeah like you should try to eat better and like you know don't drink coffee and I was like what the fuck was that like I was like it was just like that wasn't helpful. like it was one of those things where I was like okay like they did say you know you we can test for this and this if you want and they said like you know we it is good that you came in to talk about it because it could be an issue down the line but I was just mm. like I don't know I just felt like it was a bit it helping. wasn't super helpful but you know to be fair I'm like sorry. that's also on me because what was the plan like what what did I think I was gonna get out of it you know so like yeah, I unfortunately yeah I get it you know for sure um yeah. wow okay well um I was gonna ask going forward I think there's no other specific questions about like any version of where people might be at this um I wanted to see if there mm. were any like books that you would recommend or how you kind of got mm. into all this yeah, for sure. So I would first start, which I think you read this book, Woman Code by Doc, by Alyssa Biddy. I've, Did you read I that read one? In the Flow, so her second book. Oh, I haven't read that one. So yeah. her first book is Woman Code. Yeah. I would recommend Woman Code. I'm sure In the Flow is also good as well. Yeah, she she even <laughs> she references it a bunch in the flow. I think it's just like yeah, an cool. updated version where she's like plugging her like website and stuff like I'm like no shade no shade but like I think it's just like an updated version where it's a bit more like here's what I've seen work in clients that I've now worked with since woman code I guess cool. yeah but yeah similar uh gotcha okay yeah because yeah. I think woman code's pretty old so woman code yeah. by Alyssa Vitti. if you're in the states you can easily go to um what's that store called half price books they have heaps of them mm. no matter which one you go to uh the other book I would recommend if you're considering coming off birth control I would recommend beyond the pill by dr jolene brighton yes. she's kind of like the head honcho for coming off birth control and birth control awareness and then I would also recommend um the period repair manual by dr lara brighton she's fabulous Ooh. as well and if you're interested in learning how to chart your cycle, while the research supporting the success rate of charting your cycle is with a qualified instructor, you can also learn from the book Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler. Ooh, yes. Okay, I've heard that as well. Yes. Yeah, I have Yeah, that's a good one. I have a few like on my kind of to read list, but In the Flow has been the biggest one for me by far. That's where I've learned like cool. a good 90% of what I know. There's another one called Our Hormones, Our Health, um, that I read Ooh. a while ago, and that one was a little bit more interesting when it came to it wasn't just about um kind of like the sex hormones it talked about even like ghrelin and like a bunch of other hormones that like mm. also affect the body that I, I hadn't really learned about anywhere else that one was kind of interesting Which but cool. i'll link all of those yeah. in the description for you guys as well cool. um i wanted to ask as well about different apps i know we've, we've mentioned a few throughout but mm. what are ones that yeah. you would recommend <clears throat> Yeah. So my go-to is Read Your Body. Um, they came out, I believe, two years ago, but this is kind of like the 
place that all fertility awareness method instructors recommend their clients go. Mm. You can input so much information just beyond what your cervical fluid or basal body temperature is doing. You can put in how you're feeling that day, like X, Y, and Z, what you ate that day. So you can look back on it at the end of the cycle and be like, oh, I see why like I had a good menstrual cycle mm. this month or I see cool. why I didn't. So I would highly recommend read your body if you're going to go anywhere. Okay. Yeah. I haven't tried that one yet. Oh. <laughs> I've been using like flow for just like ages. It was just like the first one I downloaded. Um, but I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I know flow had a bit of a thing to do with like data and there was like a whole, That's what I've heard. there recently. was a whole controversy about data being released and stuff. And especially with the whole Roe v. Wade situation in the States right now, why. everyone is just kind of freaking yeah. out about like, I've got actually quite a few comments and messages being like, I want to do this, but I'm really scared that this is going to potentially happen to me, which is really sad in a really hard situation but um yeah I'm not sure but that's really interesting and I do think I want to try it and I want to kind of like suss out what the other ones are like just so I have reference for when people are you know talking with them and whatever else yeah yeah and and read your body has come out and said that they do not sell information so if you are if you are concerned I'm pretty sure there is a monthly fee I don't think it's much I think it's like 10 or 12 dollars but they have come out to say that they don't sell information. Yeah, cool. Oh, so good. Okay, yeah. well, last but not <laughs> least, where can we find you? Tell us about what you're doing. Yeah, so you can essentially, I'm trying TikTok, guys. I don't know what the <laughs> issue is. It is not working for me whatsoever. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. TikTok, it's I a learning TikTok, curve. But I'm not, yeah. It is. It is a learning curve. It's a whole new ballgame. <laughs> but I'm mainly active on Instagram mm. at I am dot moonly. So just moon L I. You can just find me there. That's where like I talk about um, nutrition, hormones, endo, PCOS, fibroids. That's kind of like my main area that I go to. Mm. And yeah, you can find me there. You can also go to my website at I am moonly.com where I have blogs and recipes that you can get started with when you're trying to, you know, work out your hormones and everything amazing and your course yes so if you are interested in learning how to chart your cycle i do have a new course out called the cycle sinking cove where you can actually go in there and i can walk you through in videos what is going on in each mental cycle and how you can support yourself nutritionally physically and emotionally through each cycle and there's also a downloadable workbook how you can exercise through each cycle which i think is probably one of the most beneficial things to my hormones is learning how to work out towards my cycle and also like a downloadable meal plan so you can start getting an idea of how you might want to meal plan out to support your hormones so good so much good stuff in there yeah. moonly very graciously <laughs> yeah. gave me um access so i could see what she does in her course and it is so yeah. cool like it does feel like you have like a best friend with you like taking you through it and talking <laughs> through it and it's just nice you know like it's definitely worth it to have someone kind of like explain it to you and take you through it as you go through it um and to help mm. you understand it and take some time for it because like you know things like this like a podcast and seeing people's posts and stuff is always amazing amazing and like I always learn stuff on your Instagram even just seeing your reels and everything (laughs) but like it's nice to like really start to understand it and dive deep and have that time where you have those like downloadable options and things you can kind of fill out yourself and learn really about you and it just it kind of it puts you in a position where it says this is the time where I'm sitting down and I'm learning about me and I think it really gives back to that part of you that has been kind of taken away by people saying like your period is gross or your period is not necessary or you know it's it's more in it's inconvenient that you could get pregnant when you don't want to and it just like it gives you that space of being like I actually want to think about this as a beautiful part of me and not like something that I have to just deal with because what the hell is that you Mm. know 
Yeah. Yeah. No, the menstrual cycle is incredibly powerful. Mm. And I, yeah, like learning about it just blew my mind. And yeah, I'm so glad that, you know, you found the information on my Instagram and that you find the course helpful Mm. because it really is there to help you guys navigate, like coming into learning about your menstrual cycle and really embodying those emotional shifts that people tell us like, oh, like, why is your mood changed so much? It might not be that your hormone, that you have hormone imbalance. It's literally that your hormones do change depending on where you are in your cycle. So your energy is going to shift, your mood's going to shift and that's okay. Yeah. And when you can start to plan for it, then it makes a lot more sense. Mm. Like you don't have to constantly be canceling on people and like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like feeling so overwhelmed and whatever all the time, or like trying to sit down for like a quiet meditation session when you're like nearing ovulation, you have all this energy and you're like, no, F that. Like I I can't do that right now. You know, like if you constantly feel like you feel out of sync or like you don't know what the hell's going on, but like your mood's always changing or, you know, two weeks ago I was great. Now I feel like shit, what's wrong with me? Like, it's not that there's anything wrong with you. It's just that you don't, you don't understand it. And unfortunately, potentially you haven't had the education on it, which so many of us haven't, but it it really is up to us where we can take ownership and we can choose. Like, I want to know this about my body. I want to have that Intel and I want to be able to serve myself even better. So why not do that for yourself? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for coming on. I, so much value. I, my mind, there's so many times where you're talking and I was just like, is she reading something? Like, how does she know all this shit? Like, honestly, I'm I'm like literally trying to like suss you out. Cause I'm like, you're like listening off all these vitamins. Like you just know. And it's so valuable. And I think that people are going to get so much and have hopefully just gotten so much out of this episode. And guys, if you like, please go follow her go see what she does because I've learned so much just being around you for like 10 seconds and it's amazing it's given me so much so thank you um and you guys always know that you can reach out to me on Instagram if you have any questions just dm me um I'll link her Instagram and website and everything below and as well I'll do mine um and then that's it follow the episode and follow the sorry follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen so that you can get the notifications and that's it love you guys thank you so much for listening and lean into it because you deserve it have a lovely day bye guys (laughs) 